All right, folks, welcome to Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever's On the Wing podcast. Can you feel it in the air? We are almost there. We are almost to hunting season. September 1st is within sight for many places. Well, it's within sight for everybody, but September 1st for many states um, marks the beginning of the upland bird season. I know Montana in particular, there are folks ready to go prairie grouse hunting. I believe Nebraska, you can start on September 1st. Dove hunting gets underway September 1st. And up north, Wisconsin grouse hunting starts September 12th. We've got um, uh, September, let's see, the 19th for grouse hunting in Minnesota. September 15th, grouse hunting in Michigan. I am beyond excited. It is my favorite time of the year. Uh, And I have been dog training every Wednesday night with a bunch of good friends, uh, some folks that you have heard on this podcast before. Uh, Julia Schrenkler, who is on the um, adults learning, uh, falling in love with bird hunting as an adult podcast, which was about a year ago at this time. Uh, John Zeman, who hosts the dog training. He's a uh, was on the podcast on the Montana horseback hunt. And then Matt Kaharski, who was on the Fort Pier Grasslands podcast. I think, Matt, that was your was. your inaugural podcasting debut. And at, at the when I got home from dog training about a week ago, in my inbox was an email from, from Matt. And, and that's how I want to start off uh, this particular episode. Um, Matt wrote me, I was driving home from dog training with Zeman last night, and I had a thought. Wouldn't it be kind of cool to do an ushering in a new generation podcast sort of thing about our bird dogs? So that's the appetizer for this episode. It's this, we're getting into hunting season. We're going to talk dogs. We're going to talk a little bit about bird hunting, but that's, that's the appetizer because the new, the, the entree, Matt is that you are the newly elected, relatively newly elected chairman of the board of directors for Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever. So the entree is, as the new chair, we're going to learn a little bit more about you and and your vision for the organization. So it's kind of a, I've, I've titled this one, Changing of the Guard with a new board chair, Matt Kaharski. Changing of the Guard from a dog perspective? And changing in of the guard from a um, leadership perspective, vision perspective. So let's start with the easy part. Well, the easy part is that normally I order two appetizers, Bob. So we could spend the whole time talking about dogs if you want to. <laughs> this is true. You do do that, don't you? I do. I, do. <laughs> I don't really want the salad. Just bring me another uh, popcorn shrimp. <laughs> maybe, a, maybe a little soup. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you have, like I mentioned, you've been on the podcast when we were in Fort Pier with right. uh, Marilyn and Clyde so Vetter. Special trip. Uh, and you had been there before, but that was really your first time uh, with the express purpose of chasing Sharpies. Yeah. And it, it kind of 
it converted you. Oh, yeah, big time. You know, the first time we had went, we just kind of took a day trip down there. On a, we were on a pheasant hunt and took a day trip down there. And I wasn't quite sure what the heck we were doing. <laughs> it really was was. Also, it was December and it was buried it was, in snow. It too. December, it was cold. I had a lab and we were walking around this short grass. I'm going, I don't see a, cat, <laughs> I don't see a cattail anywhere. And then this last time we went, you know, we, 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 you know, we were in big country. We were at the prime of the season and, you know, we were hunting a lot of pointing dogs. My lab was still with, uh, lab was still with us, but it was just a, a just a different vibe. And, mm. but I'll tell you, walking big country and breathing big air, that's just, that's just, that just gets me going. And we have it on the calendar for this year. We have it on the calendar. <laughs> I, I'm surprised you didn't bring up that date and also bring up the number of hours and minutes until we leave for that trip. Uh, well, I've got a couple hunts before then. <laughs> <laughs> there, you go. there you go. Yeah, that's a that's a great trip. That's a great great uh, great city too. Um, mm-hmm. They're really really uh, friendly to uh, to hunters and uh, just a lot of lot of great opportunity to experience something different. <laughs> and the other thing, as I think about that, almost all the characters I've brought up. John Zeman, Julia Schrenkler, Marilyn Vetter, Clyde Vetter. They're all going with us again. Yeah, exactly. Well, so, it's funny. You went through that list. And I was like, Jesus, when was I on the podcast? Oh, yeah, I guess I was on last year. I was thought you were kind of getting to the bottom of the list here. Well, so I was I was bringing that up because you, in that particular episode, you, you did introduce yourself to the audience. But in the world of podcasts, I am going to help you or, or ask you to introduce yourself to the Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever audience and all the listeners one more time. Just um, folks may not know you. And it's important, I think, to for them to understand your, you know, where you grew up, yeah. kind of your your background. Right. You mentioned your your part lab guy. Um, <laughs> I've been convert, converted <laughs> to a certain extent. Yeah. We're we're, a, we're a, a mixed political family now, which is good. <laughs> well, you know, I, I grew up in Wisconsin um, with a with a great appreciation for the outdoors. Uh, with growing up with my brother and my dad and and a lot of family members. But to be really candid, I hunted a lot of marginal hunting. Um, duck hunting was good if you saw ducks. It was a great if you got a shot. It was a banner day if you brought home a bird. Uh, I probably shot a case of, case of shells at grouse just walking to and from, you know, the duck blind, right, uh, without really truly hunting grouse. Deer hunting was always kind of okay. And, you know, my first pheasant hunt was 12 years old. I was 12 years old hunting down in Iowa and and you know, I didn't really know what to expect. And it was just, you know, we just, we just, we hunted a lot, but we didn't have a lot of success. And, um, you know, grow, then, then I, in my adult life, I, um, met you obviously, uh, and we became past friends through, uh, through a long story involving <laughs> me trying to sell a truck. Um, you know, but long, but you know, long story short, it ended up with us meeting. Getting so we got to just drop his name because there's so many listeners oh, that God. know Dugan? No, Joe Dugan. Oh, Jesus. So Joe Dugan is the connector yeah, between Makarski, me and pheasants forever and quail. Forever. Yeah. So we'll make it really short. Dugan pretended like he wanted to buy my truck and instead of buying my truck he ended up finagling me into a coffee with him and Bob to talk about Pheasants Forever and that was really my first exposure to the organization and that was shoot 2004 2004 there you go so Mm -hmm. 16 years ago uh, and Bob and I have become very close friends and uh, I've um, given uh, a lot of my time and and some of my money <laughs> um, uh, when I patron do, member when, for pheasants yeah. forever patron I, member yeah. for quail when I do finally win that shotgun it's gonna be like a fifty thousand dollar shotgun I'll just say that because I <laughs> all the raffle tickets I've bought and auctions I've been to but I hope but, you enjoy that 870 Express too <laughs> <laughs> you know what grew up on a wingmaster so I'm all right with that. but but in all seriousness Pheasants Forever got me exposed to what it's supposed to be like. 
and what 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 good habitat does to the enjoyment of being in the outdoors um and and um you know i uh i i i I enjoyed. I, I went from being a, <clears throat> a deer hunter and duck hunter primarily to primarily an upland hunter, and um, it's dogs, it's habitat, um, and it's it's um, being able to to have the accessibility of this of this great sport, mm. and um, and I've just met some fantastic people along the way and now and now if i got my opportunity i'm going to pheasant hunt i'm going to quail hunt i'm going to sharpie hunt you know i'm and you know i uh, we've had some great adventures together you and i and and, and, and raised some dogs uh, a couple different generations it's well, pretty, pretty pretty cool pretty special and that's a perfect transition because we both we both had dogs in our adult lives in our childhoods before we knew each other right but I think we we probably would agree that hunting together over each other's dogs has made us better hunters and better dog trainers. Yeah. And we sort of marked our life as hunters, or at least I do, in those dog years. And I correlate my my dog generation of dogs that have been same mile markers with your generation yeah. of dogs. And yeah. I think that's when you sent me that email. That's the wavelength that you were on with oh, yeah. thinking about a podcast, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you think about us and us getting to know each other, we both really, really forged our friendship while you were while you were bringing your kind of flagship dog up, Trammel, and, and mine was Lucy, a lab. Mm-hmm. And those two dogs, those two dogs knew each other. Mm-hmm. And, and, <laughs> and <clears throat> I mean, knew each other well. Yeah. Um, and and I remember us being out in in a field down in in the summertime, putting out some birds and introducing those dogs to birds. And I remember that first grouse that Lucy got on a Michigan grouse hunt with you, and that was her first wild bird. And uh, and I remember some great finds by Trammel. And I remember then us bringing in new dogs and 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 seeing how that mix happened. And now both of my kind of primary dogs are gone and. You know, you've had your your share of of, of heartbreak too, and uh, we've got we've got new ones now. And yeah. It's you know, damn it, if I'm not getting misty right now. Yeah, we've we both got some new dogs in place, and we're both kind of bringing in a new a new generation, and it's pretty exciting, but at the same, but bittersweet at the same time. Yeah. So let's. I, I want to talk a little bit about each generation, mm-hmm. and when when you said our right at the beginning, you talked about. Um, Lucy and Trammell knew each other. Yeah. And I started giggling. Do you know why I was giggling? Um, Jog my memory. Okay. So um, probably within the second season of Lucy and Trammell (laughs) hunting grouse together. Now, do you know? Are you talking about? Hawk screens. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Yep. I could. I tra- my lab. My lab was trained to the hawk scream. She'd hear Tram go on point, hear that hawk scream on that collar, and say, "See ya, boss. Tram's on a bird." <laughs> That's and pretty. Exactly. Yeah, we would grouse because we took this annual trip. We would grouse hunt Minnesota, but we had this annual trip to my home stomping grounds of the Upper Peninsula of Michigan with a couple of PF folks, and we'd go. And we, I had a sport dog collar, and this was kind of before. This was before the the advent of yeah. GPS collars. Mm-hmm. And when the pup, when Trammel would go on point and lock up, the hawk screech would go off. <laughs> oh, be damned! I was in a race to get to Trammel before Lucy <laughs> yeah. moved that bird. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> Lucy was. Lucy figured that out in about. 
two two birds. She figured that out and is like, ah, oh, dang it. Then we couldn't hunt them together for a while because I, every time, that, or, or we actually had to had shut off the hawk scream, and then then life was good. Yeah, life was good. Well, but we did hunt together, and because uh, there were times when and Travel's a good retriever, but yeah. I can recall a west west central Minnesota, and I'm uh, let's face, it, I'm notoriously average wing shooter, and mm-hmm. I break a lot of wings, and my dogs generally save my bacon but this one particular cattail slew bird trammel just wasn't going to save my bacon yeah yeah and that's the the bird that lucy stands out as a memory for me do you yeah, remember that bird i'm talking I about i absolutely do i remember every bird yeah yeah every bird it's uh yeah, go ahead. You tell the story. It's better when you tell. Well, it it, 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 it so it's it's the classic, you know, dogs short hairs on point, bird flushes over a cat a wet cattail slough and I break a wing. It goes down. I'm like, oh, it's right here. But it wasn't right there. Mm-hmm. And, it was not right there. And um, you know, trammels you know, ankle deep in water is like, yeah, this is, and, and Lucy just charges in and it takes her three, four minutes, five minutes. And, you know, mm-hmm. what always happens, she comes from a different direction than you expect. And there's the bird in the mouth. Yep. Yeah. And it's like, we're all going, huh, look who knew what, what she was doing. <laughs> yeah. You know, we, you know, yeah, Pheasants Forever is, is, is uh, got a great relationship with Navda. And, uh, yeah, I'd done a little bit of work with Navda and Marilyn's obvious, uh, on the board there. And Navda has this mantra that, that their goal is to help people experience the thrill of, of, of a well-trained hunting dog. Mm-hmm. And right there's a perfect example yeah. of it. You know, you just yeah. can't help but smile and, you know, puff your chest and just amazing. And, you know, I'll just give you a, a quick example. Um, uh, this kind of gets to the camaraderie of hunting. You know, I was uh, out out uh, west hunting in, in um, Nebraska, actually, uh, on some... Uh, actually, I take it back. I was I was in southern southern Iowa hunting some public land between Christmas and New Year's, and uh, Rick Young and I were out, and uh, we were we were storm chasing, hunting just on the edge of the storm. And it was... And, and on the last day, he and I were walking. There was like a lone hunter out there by himself without a dog. Mm. And he comes walking up toward us, and we asked him how he was doing. Kid couldn't have been more than 20, 21 years old. And hmm. he said, well, all my buddies had to bail, so it was just me walking. And, you know, I, I shot and hit a quail back there, but but I lost it. I can't find it. And and he, cause he was really depressed about it. I said, well, why don't you walk with us, and, and we'll work our way back around there, and we'll see if we can find it. And I had my new lab, Nellie. And so we did our walk together, and we chatted along the way and, you know, just talked a little bit. And he got back to where where that, where he had thought he had shot that bird and I could see his footprints in the light snow. And I just said, dead bird. And she went into Hoover mode and 30 seconds later, she pulled <laughs> that bird up and walked, walked over and I'll be damned if she didn't walk over to him and give him that bird Is that rather, right? rather than to me. And yeah. he just looked at her and looked at me and it was just this, you know, this moment. You know, yeah. It was really, really cool. Really cool. So a few moments ago, you made the comment, I remember every bird. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And how long does that memory go back? Because I've had this conversation with Meredith, who you know, we we've all had those conversations with our spouses. It's like, you remember every single bird you shot and two years ago, but you can't remember to bring home the milk, or, 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 yeah. or you know. But I, at the end of the season, I can for sure remember every sequence of every bird. But then, over time. 
I can remember probably a handful of birds from each season that stand out as like super good memories. Do you remember every single bird? I think I do, Bob. Do you I really? think I remember every bird because um, I'm just so fascinated by mm-hmm. by how how those dogs um, do what they love to do and um, watching other people be so thrilled by by a dog that does a good job, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and hey, you and I have hunted with some fantastic dogs. We've also hunted our dogs with some dogs who maybe aren't quite so fantastic. And you just can't help but see your kid on the soccer field making scoring all the goals. You know, it's just a, uh, it's a, it's a, and, uh, and I'm not a terribly competitive guy, but mm. I'm just, I'm just really, I just, I just get so tickled watching them do what they love. Mm. Do you have a most memorable bird from Lucy? Generation one, Lucy, the lab and trammel the shore there. What's your most memorable bird? Yeah, let me think about that for just one second. You know, um, <laughs> that one that you brought up with Tram is is a is a pretty good, <laughs> oh, pretty yeah. good one. And that's Once you're, that's you good know, for you because yeah, yeah. Trammel's. Uh, you know, I don't want to give the impression that Trammel's a lackluster retriever. She's mm-hmm. a pretty good retriever, but you know yeah. what? What made that memorable for you was you could boast your puff your chest I out could. towards me I on could. that one. Yeah, no, you know, there um there was actually and this is a, this isn't a, a pheasant one, this is a duck one, but I was out in North Dakota with one of my very good friends and and he sailed he sailed a, a mallard that landed in this pond that was just absolutely thick with cattails and muck and and matted down in ice actually in it. Mm. And and I I saw feathers on the water where this duck went down and I took I took her over to that spot and I said hunt dead dead bird and she swam out to that spot and immediately turned around and came back and I thought no no get back out there get back out there and she was like 20 30 yards away from that looking 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 and and I'm she's in this mat of cattails and all of a sudden she just puts her head down and just almost with her teeth picks up this duck by the beak and lifts it out of the water, and I it, there was there was no way that I thought that duck was anywhere close to that spot. And she brought that thing back, and both both Mike and I we looked at each other and went, that was just that was a plus. Mm. And just 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 watching her going, nope, you do your job, I'll do my job, and we'll all be good together. Yeah. And it was just I just you know it just reminded me just how amazing the whole thing is. Yeah. Out and so as we're recording this in person, socially distanced, of course, but I'm recording it in in your office. And you look around your office, and uh, straight ahead of me is a, a portrait of Lucy, mm-hmm. and it next to to Lucy is Libby, and then a portrait of Nellie, and then a um, a beautiful, very famous painting by Leroy Neiman of a black lab and before we turned on the the recording you know I I said that is Lucy with now in the Leroy Neiman painting the dog has red eyes but if you you know exchange them with yellow yellowish brown it would be Lucy yeah yeah I uh, that that picture's here in my office because uh yeah I laugh every time I see it um there's uh um yeah, Neiman, Neiman um, is a famous artist in St. Paul, right? He was around the same time as Andy Warhol. And um, he actually did 
uh, a bunch of paintings for covers of Sports Illustrated mm-hmm. as well as for Playboy. Um, and his um, his his claim to fame was was painting people having a good time. He did uh, casino scenes. He did um, you know park scenes and that kind of thing. But he also um, was really enamored with with animals. <laughs> he did um, he did a lot of horse racing. Um, he did a series of safari animals, hmm. and he only did three dogs, um, and one of them was a black lab. And hmm. and this this painting is just just amazing, and it's 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 not your not your typical wildlife art. And um, uh, through some kindness of a of an art gallery owner, I, I I was able to get it and uh, frame it and put it in my office. And it's uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's really special. Yeah, it's arresting. It it definitely makes me think of Lucy, the best retrieving bird dog yeah, I've ever hunted with. She's pretty amazing. And Tram's pretty damn good, too, on, on finding birds. And in the grouse woods, Bob's got me beat. Uh, in the, uh, you know, duck blind, maybe it's maybe it was Lucy. And pheasants, he kind of had a, a pretty amazing tan. <laughs> call it a draw. Yeah. Uh, all right. So move into the second generation mm-hmm. and the second generation was a little different than the first generation in in how they began and how they end yeah. ended and in how they began um i'm thinking of bella being an adopted uh pup. yeah yeah so so bella bella was a short my my first experience with a short hair and actually with a pointing dog owning a pointing dog and boy, I didn't know what I was getting into. Um, and, and Bella was actually part of a tandem of dogs that were owned by, by uh, a neighbor's son. And the neighbor's son moved out of town and couldn't take the dogs. Moved and, to France, if I remember. No, no, of. actually, no, close, Seattle. Well, wasn't, uh, well, yeah, close. <laughs> I thought they moved overseas. Nope. Was the were the parents move overseas? Nope, no, no, no. I don't know where I get the no, French piece. No, no, yeah, Seattle, okay. Yeah, Seattle. Um, so, so. They had this short, this this adult short hair, eight years old, and then the four year old, and I had seen these dogs as, mar- as marauders. When any, anytime they were in the neighborhood, they just looked like they were like out to get every chipmunk and every squirrel <laughs> and whatever. And I was like, I got no interest at all. But I gotta give credit to my wife Holly, who's a dog loving fool. Mm-hmm. Um, she's like, no, 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 I like Bella. I like Bella. We want Bella. And Bella's the four year old. Bella was a four year old, and 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 I said, all right, well, we're gonna give this a try. But you know what? I got Lucy, and she is like, she's my boo. We're not, if this dog messes up Lucy, it's out. Hmm. Well, Bella came and after about two weeks of, um, you know, normalizing Hmm. five minutes for Bella, she walked in and said, that's mine. That's mine. That's mine. You're mine. You're mine. And you're mine. She became alpha the moment she walked in the door. Uh, But we, we realized that we could have them both. So I, I had experience of having both the, the flusher and the, and the pointing dog. And, uh, I, I like that deal, Mm -hmm. but, but, but Bella, because she was a four-year-old dog, I never really got the chance to bond with her. And while she was a great dog, and she was she was the strangest, goofiest, oddest dog, and such a tank. Um, and and you know, uh, I, and I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't trade anything for a world having her. I just never quite connected with her the same way I did with Lucy, or the same way I connected with the dogs I've got right now. Hmm. And you you bring up tank, mm-hmm. which. We've talked about before because I've had short hairs for a number of years and a number of dogs. 
But yeah. I've never had a short hair like Bella. Yeah, and and when we say tank, you know, you see you see fat dogs and you see dogs that are not in shape. This dog was in shape, but this dog was built. This dog was built like a second baseman. Mm. You know, and and I I would say like a catcher. Well, Just, yeah, you're you know, unfair. pudgy fair. and muscular, true, not true. fat. And, yeah, and she did tend to look at the world a little differently than everybody else <laughs> right. too, which is right, a like catcher. a goalie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and you know, I just remember one time when we were, you and I were walking through the woods, you know, hunting, and you know, you just turned to me and said, "I can feel her coming," yeah. and yeah. it was boom, 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 and she took a stick in the eye, um, you know, bad stick in the eye, and mm. she came walking back. You heard her yelp in the woods. She comes walking back, and she's got the stick stuck underneath her eyelid, mm-hmm. like almost an inch long. And we're both like, "Oh my god!" Mm-hmm. You know, and I gently pull that thing out, and I figure, "Okay, we're done hunting." And it home. was long. It was long. It yeah. wasn't so. Just for clear, it wasn't. It didn't puncture the eye. No, but it was underneath the lid, yeah. and it was four inches. It was long Three. enough where it was pulling the eyelid out, and she comes back to us with this stick pu- pulling her eyelid out, and it and you know I'm just trying to get it out of there without scratching her cornea or anything, and I'm thinking okay we're done, and I turn to start walking toward the truck, and she's going the other way, going no let's keep let's keep on going. I mean she mm-hmm. just absolutely had a motor like nobody's business, and she was definitely Holly's buddy, and uh, you know when when you know when we had, we had to put her down, it was uh, it was tough. It was yeah. really tough, but but it got me hooked on why it I I, I saw what what a pointing dog can be like, and we were definitely short her people. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's yeah. a great dog, and I do you know I remember the very moment I I made that comment about you could feel her. Mm-hmm. before you saw her and yeah for folks at grouse hunt it was like that oh on the edge of a spruce um mm-hmm. forest like the transition between um a classic tag alder popple spruce mm-hmm. forest so you got that um like hollowed out wet underneath so there's a little bit of that yeah, spongy, base, yeah, spongy. Kind of spongy yeah and, and so you know she was probably 100 yards coming Mm-hmm. And you know the other dogs are out front, you know, yeah. sort of finesse hunting, and like here comes Bella. Yep. <laughs> yeah, like you didn't need a GPS with her; you just had to make sure you could feel her in your toes, you know, when you're walking. No question. Yeah, yeah. So, and on my um, aspect of that second generation, I had Izzy, named mm-hmm. after yeah. Steve Eiserman, uh, Detroit Red Wings uh, player, and I had. Um, I've, I've talked about Izzy before on the yeah. podcast. Um, you know, she she was a year and a half uh, going into her second hunting season, and we were grouse hunting in uh, northern Wisconsin with my entire family. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mentioned this before, yeah. no, a Norman Rockwell setting with my mom from my mom and dad from the UP were there, and we were at my brother's place in near Rhinelander. So my brother. My brother's wife, Julie, Nicholas, Noel, me, Trammell, um, and, and Izzy were out grouse hunting, and we had just flushed, um, pointed flush shot um, a f- brood of, of grouse, and I think it was in early November, and uh, Izzy, at a year and a half old, was... It was the last week in October. Is that when it was? I know the exact day. And she... Um, She's going 100 miles an hour because she was just athletic and came over side of a raspberry patch. And on the other side of the raspberry patch on, that she couldn't see, there's a limb, uh, oak limb sticking up that about the size of a Louisville slugger. 
and she hit that 100 miles an hour right with her, where the base of her neck meets her uh, collarbone. And um, she squealed, uh, knew something was wrong. She ran right over to me and collapsed, and I looked at her um, and did not see any immediate issue. There was no puncture. And rolled her over again, and immediately there was a bulge uh, um, protruding, protruding in her base of her neck. And um, I picked her up, and my brother and I ran through the woods, left all of our stuff there, left our families there, and and, uh, ran through the woods, jumped in the truck, and we were at a vet within 15 minutes, but it was um, too late. <clears throat> and uh, what had happened was Izzy had ruptured her carotid artery um, when she hit impact. And it, the veterinarian told me that even if he had been walking next to me, there would have right. been nothing um, he could have done. So when folks look at my pups on um, Instagram or Facebook or blog post or rooster road trip, you'll notice uh, my pups are always wearing vests. Mm-hmm. And that's that moment um changed me in a variety of ways but the one way the most visible way is my dogs go into the field with a vest on all the time and some people sort of laugh when they see that or chuckle um i guess now you know the rest of the story well, and, and you can I, I don't know about a whole lot of people who hunt with the two of us that aren't wearing don't have yeah. dog vests because that you know uh, i said i knew the day um you know we're <laughs> Yeah, Bob and I are gonna. You, you, you got all this electric equipment, electronic equipment. You have any tissues out here? We should because um, you know, we I just, I've told that story a number yeah. of times and I've bawled. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm sort of well, <sighs> it, you know, just a, a just a, just a little bit. You know, I said I remember the exact day, and the reason why is because I was when that on the day that happened, I was hunting in North Dakota with my family, mm. and you know, Bob and I were obviously pretty close. Other than he said, I'm never ever ever doing a. a duck hunt in the morning in North Dakota again <laughs> but I was out there and I got the text from from Meredith uh explaining what happened and uh I just remember I remember sending a text to you saying I'm I, I, I just let me know when you're ready to talk yeah and and I remember that it was the worst the absolute worst day of hunting either of us have ever had yeah, yeah. it was what, what what was the best thing that got me through that and I'll be honest I I really struggled to go back into the woods. Yeah, I can um, see why. It, I don't, because the the other piece to that story in the very same day, um, that, so I, I, that happened in northern Wisconsin. I've got um, my passed away Izzy dog in my truck, um, and I've got Trammel, and we drove immediately from the vet in Wisconsin back home to Meredith. Um, to have Izzy cremated and um that night like literally seven hours later Trammell yeah. goes in for emergency surgery yeah I remember that um and yep. the long and the short of it is we suspect that Trammell ate a meatball laced with nails and staples for somebody trying to kill to wolves kill wolves yeah um because she had heads. an emergency surgery the same night I lost a pup um to save her life and so I had a, about a two-week downtime from just plain and simple. My, I didn't have any dog power. 
Um, I could have went with others, but honestly, I wasn't it's ready. It's not going to be, um, gonna be it, the same. It probably took, it took a month, and I went back hunting with you. And I don't know if you remember, uh, it, we went to Shangwatana, mm-hmm. um, Trammel, Lucy, and you're pretty patient. They let me get back because every every branch was going to reach out and yeah. kill Trammel yeah. in my mind. Um, and it took a little getting used to. Yeah, that was an important walk that day. Yeah. Yeah. So our second generation was a tougher one. Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. Tougher. Yeah. Um, and then... So uh, third generation um, was a little different in that. So I had lost Izzy, but I, you know, within a year and a half jumped right back on. And that's when Eski came in to to my life to have the second dog. And there was a little bit of gap there between um, when you added Nellie. Right. But for all intents and like, I know in your mind, you sort of think of Nellie as the new generation. Yeah, I, but she's four I, now. I, I think of Nellie and Eski as the second, uh, I'm sorry, the third generation together. Yeah. Yeah. And they are, as much as Lucy holds a spot in my heart, tell you what, Nellie, Nellie is easily, easily the best hunting dog I've ever had. And, and Nellie is a, a Labrador. Of, yeah. But she's got a lot of runway on her yet. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and you can see that that uh, little uh, twinkle in your eye. You're pretty excited. Well, and you know, it's just you know, this is we 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 got Nell, we got Nelly the the pop when we still had Lucy and Bella because we had an opportunity. They, the the Lucy's Lucy's uh, breeder had had a litter and and it was going to be the last the last one. So we jumped on it a year earlier, and so we had this pop, and uh, you know, she just she's just been trained right mm-hmm. you know and and she's this is the most you know and actually pf pf friends helped out with this because we did the 100 100 dogs 100 people 100 days <laughs> right. thing i passed that dog around to 100 people and 100 dogs introduction introduction in 100 days 100 100 100 the dog and is, you're not exaggerating by much i'm not i'm not at all i i'm not exaggerating a bit that dog was introduced to 100 people and 100 dogs in 100 days through dog parks through staying overnight at people's houses and and and, and you know she's just the most chill laid back dog you'd ever see until she hits the woods mm-hmm. and uh and the other thing about her is that she's just she's up for whatever. Mm-hmm. She's just as laid back as they possibly can. You know, I, Bob knows this. I've got I've got tattoos on my on my calf for uh, for each of my dogs, along with a little symbol. And uh, and Nellie's symbol is an ice cream cone mm. because she's sweet and she's chill. <laughs> you know, and, and, which does fit her. It, well, but she and, is a terrific, terrific bird dog. Oh yeah, yeah, she's great. Well, you know, I I I took no no small pleasure in our. Fort Pier trip when she's she's the one <laughs> the one the one retriever amongst all the pointing dogs and uh, you know, which 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 you had to your limit first, which, Matt. Do you want yeah. me to say it? Okay, <laughs> <laughs> hey, end of story. You know, but no, you know, back on the symbol thing. You know, Lucy's symbol on my leg is a is a is a is a wing. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely the bird jog. And and one thing you didn't mention is she's she was she was short hair fast. Mm. That dog could run like nobody's business. Bella's is a skull and crossbones. <laughs> she definitely was my she biker, was the bike, biker. biker chick dog. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Libby is, uh, or Nell, I'm sorry, Nellie is uh, is the ice cream cone, and we're still kind of trying to figure out Libby and mm. what her the short the new short hair symbol is going to be. So, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so my third generation Esky, who's now six, 
and it's the dog that, um, um, you know, I, I got as soon as I possibly could when, when Izzy passed. So, mm-hmm. and just for, for a note, uh, knock on wood, Trammel uh, is coming up here. We're just a couple weeks away. Uh, fingers crossed she will see her 14th opening day of grouse season and we'll hold our breath and hope she makes it to to pheasant season although the the tall grass of pheasant hunting is it might be a little more than she can handle at this point but you might have a connection for a place you can do an easy walk with well see the the (laughs) thing with trammel the last rooster she pointed which is the last time i really hard hunted her hard was the winter of 2018 for pheasants mm-hmm. um you and i and it was down in wasika oh yeah and you remember oh, yeah i got the, the video of that the one broken uh birch tree trammel mm-hmm. locks up on point you were up on the hill and you're like oh god don't miss don't miss oh <laughs> uh, it was uh, i this is one i need to tell because we have uh we have one farmer who who lets us hunt once a year and it's usually an end of the year hunt and he's so he's so gracious and generous and and lets us hunt this one spot um, every year and oftentimes it hasn't been hunted and so we and we know how to hunt it and la- this last year we had Trammel out there and 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 Lucy uh, the two old dogs and we got to we got to a point where we knew we knew there was going to be a bird there Trammel went on point and I pulled back way back and I got up on a hill and I got my camera out. And I put it on video, and I just watched because I knew this was big, and yeah. this was this was Trammel with. She was on point, had it locked up perfectly. We knew right where the bird was. Bob walked up to it. Bird got up a beautiful, beautiful straight up flush. Bob made a great shot on it. Trammel retrieved and brought it back. And I just thought that that one needs yeah. to be in the books. So, and that that was something. <clears throat> talk about a birder. Yeah, remember? Oh, I mean, yeah. So that that happened all the way back in the end of 2018. God, can you believe that? And I didn't hunt her much on pheasants because it's just the the grass are pretty hard mm-hmm. on her. But I did hunt her a fair amount on grouse. Because she can move through the woods. Yeah, and yeah it's, she's good for her. So it's eaten me alive for 300 and some days. And you were you were with me the last time Trammel was out grouse hunting. She pointed a grouse the size of a turkey. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And do you remember this? This is, this is Douglas County, Wisconsin. I remember Wisconsin. my birds. I don't remember your birds. Douglas County, Wisconsin. I'm on the far right. Tram's on point. Julia's in between. And you're on the oh, road. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And I, bird gets up, I empty my shotgun and multiple other shots were taken and that grouse kept flying. And it's, and honestly, I'm sure everybody else was expecting me to get that bird because it was right in front of me and it was, and I missed Trammell's last pointed grouse. And I've been (laughs) crossing my fingers that I can get her back one more time for redemption. We'll make it happen. Um, Circling back. So, so Esky, six years old now. Um, has just been a fabulous dog. Mm-hmm. She's wonderful. Uh, she is as bonded to me as any of the dogs I've ever owned. Like it, if I'm working at work, um, both in the office and at home, she's sitting on this little Route 66 futon chair next to me, just watching me the whole time. And she's she was probably the slowest to develop out of the the pups that mm-hmm. I've had, but she in her second season came on like a racehorse. And now, you know, at six, 
Well, it, it's hard for it's hard, I, you know I wanted to make the statement now she's the A team, but you know Jeez. really it's her and and uh, Nelly. Yeah, I would say A-team. so, but but I would definitely say that you know that that Esky's Jordan and and Nelly, <laughs> Nelly's Pippin without question. I mean Esky, I mean that dog. I I you know a lot a lot of pointing dogs when they're on pigeons they get kind of lackadaisical because they're just you know oh, yeah, here's a pigeon now they kind of smell funny and they're not really a game yeah. bird as much. But I'll tell you when we're out when we're out working with John and and there's a pigeon in the trap doesn't matter where to her mm-hmm. and that dog that dog treats that like the you know the wildest of wild quail and just just it's just a joy to watch that dog lock up. It's fantastic. Till I get close, then she creeps. Till you get close. Till you get close. But I mean, yeah. in terms of finding and, and wanting to wanting to hold that bird there, she is just competitive and just absolutely lives to get feathers. That's just something else. So. At some point, we have to talk about your vision as chairman of the board. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> no, hey, we're doing two appetizers here, buddy. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, this is great. Uh, all right. So, so the new generation, yeah. the fourth generation. Yeah, we got some cool new little dogs coming. <laughs> and one of them staring at me, like I said, <laughs> yeah. in the portrait. Uh, back to the short hair front for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And another adoption. Another adoption, yeah, and I got to credit Marilyn and Clyde Vetter on this one. Um, so I lost Bella, um, and around that same time, I mentioned that I had done that work for NAVDA, mm-hmm. and uh, the NAVDA people were generous enough to say, hey, for all the work you're doing, we, we want to help you find your next dog. And Marilyn, uh, I, after, after I put Bella down, and uh, you know, I told Marilyn, I'm, I'm starting to look, she sends me this photo of this nine-month-old short hair outstanding in this kind of farmyard. Kind of a ratty-looking thing, actually. Kind of all sun-faded. And I'm like, okay, tell me more. And uh, she said, well, this short hair here is out of our bloodlines. Not out of our litter, but out of our bloodlines. And it's owned by someone who had wanted to breed her, but she's got one tooth underbite. Hmm. And that's not a you know, not a breeding trait. Um, but the, 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 the person who had her didn't really do much with her after that. And uh, Marilyn and Clyde saw this dog and, and decided that, you know, maybe it'd be best to bring this dog and find somewhere else for it. And so called me and Holly and we, uh, you know, after after they put it through its paces to make sure that it wasn't damaged goods, they said, this one might be a good one for you. And I brought her home for Holly to meet her because that's ultimately the uh, the ultimate influencer there, right? Mm-hmm. And within about 30 seconds, Holly said, this dog's not going home. It's staying with us. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's Libby. And she is she is German short hair through and through. Um, different different than Bella, but man, we have, she's, she, you know, we, we, have, we have brown or liver German short hairs and, you know, we call it brown dog. It's all, has a brown dog move. That's a brown dog move because she is a brown dog, that one. But she is just a, a bundle of energy, as many short hairs are. She's a little more slightly built. But because she's been sumo wrestling with a lab, <laughs> she's got some muscle in her. Yeah. And, uh, and, and Very athletic. Yeah, yeah, really athletic dog. She's learning. But probably more than anything else, and for you dog owners or you novice dog owners, I'm learning too mm. because I'm so used to relying on that that lab at 30 yards out and I give a you know half a command and that thing turns on it turns and does what it's supposed to I I have to switch gears I have to do you know if you're talking about the whole diversity inclusion thing I have to do I have to do the code switching mm. when I got that do- that dog out my first reaction is to want to control her and keep her close and I just got to let her do her thing mm. and She's just a joy to be around, and I don't know what her symbol is yet, but it's either going to be a honeybee or it's or a hummingbird. 
because that's what she is. She's a honeybee or a, a hummingbird. Explain. She just flits from place to place to place to place, <laughs> and always, always right. looking for, always for, looking for something sweet. Yeah, you know, she's just, she's just an absolute joy to be around. Really, really fun. You, you can't help but laugh when you're with her. Yeah, that's yeah. true. It, it, it is interesting. You mentioned um, she is slight, but not slight compared to my short no, hairs. No, no. You know, you've always had a little bit, and maybe it is the sumo wrestling with the Labradors. And, it is. And, and it could obviously be all, I should mention this, uh, all four of my short hairs have come from Top Gun right, Kennels. Right, Wonderful people, Steve and Jody Reese. So I've got the same bloodline. Yeah. So they are thinner, more athletic, yeah. um, taller. Well, yeah. I guess Trammell's taller, Esky's smaller. Yeah. Um, but they had different body shapes yeah. than the, yeah, short hairs you've had. Yeah, this this one's just a stunner. Yeah. I mean, she is just she's just a, a beautiful, beautiful dog, and she she loves to hunt. But we talked about pigeons. She she does not like pigeons. Mm-hmm. She'll do it, but she's like, ah, let's go on. <laughs> but she thinks quail are little tennis balls, and she's pretty big, pretty big fan of quail. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to this. Will be your second full season, and and um, I got to get around wild birds. Um, and what I have to do is, uh, the hard part about this, for those of you who ever get two dogs, I got to leave the A team in the truck every once in a while. Mm. It's really easy when you're feeling like you really want to get on a bird to pull the tried and true lab out or Pulaski out, but right. you know, or, or, or Nelly, but I've got to force myself to say, it's not about getting all the birds. It's about getting this dog some work. And so it's, that's, that's my big thing this year. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Well, so, so my fourth generation, <clears throat> I, you think Libby's beautiful. I I think Gitchy is oh, beautiful. Yeah. I, I like her a lot. <laughs> so, as I, I like mentioned, uh, fourth pup out of the Top Gun lines in, in Central City, Iowa, with Steve and Jody Reese, and she's a she's a stunner. Um, named after Lake Superior, Gitchy Gumi. Uh, she's she's got a paintbrush tail, so mm-hmm. a little white flick at the end of the tail, and. Um, one, her her left arm is all brown. Ah, uh, that is, and it's so cool. It's like a tattoo sleeve. Almost. Yeah, it, it looks really like a picture awesome. sleeve. Right? It is awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. And, um, and she's got this look in her eye, this sort of, this sort of old soul wisdom look in her eye. She's going to be a fantastic dog. It, and it, it, some differences with her compared to so of all four dogs I've had, she's the first one that I've gotten. That was born in the fall. Mm-hmm. So her birthday will be the opening day of the Minnesota slash North Dakota pheasant season is her birthday. She'll turn yeah. one on the Minnesota opener. Normally, or the not normally, but the previous three dogs I've had have all been born in the springtime and they come into hunting season at, you know, five, six months right. of age. So there's a lot of learning going on and mm-hmm. there'll be a lot of learning this year. But I guess my expectations are that Gitchy's going to be um, you know, putting some birds under her belt quicker this season than some of the other. Uh, hard to know though, because they yeah. they all have different strengths, and yeah. you see that coming as they as we go through the training process. You know, Gitchy is probably the one that is not as anxious to honor right. other dogs, but she's the best retriever at yeah, this she is. age so. she's also she's done she's what's been fun watching her develop her her taste for birds too you know the first couple of birds that she was exposed to was like what is that <laughs> you and mean when she was hiding behind me yeah, yeah a little <laughs> bit of, yeah actually yeah, a little bit of that then it was okay i'm gonna follow this for a little while and now it's okay i get what we're doing here yeah you know it, uh, we've said this before and we talked about it quite a bit you know 
I, I really believe in the mantra that, that a dog is about the same as a three-year-old child. Mm. And, and, you know, if you think about a well-behaved three-year-old child, it's the most fun ever. <laughs> I, you, know, you want to hang out with them all day. Right? right. And you think about a poorly behaved three-year-old child and it's a, it's a disaster. Right. Mm. And, and, and just like every three-year-old child, they're all going to develop slightly differently. They're all going to have their own personalities. They're going to discover things at different ages and, and having some patience and, you know, taking your time with them a little bit and recognizing that, you know, if they don't hear the command or understand the command, it's probably just as much you as it is them. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think it teaches us to be more patient, mm. you know, and, and, and a little bit and, and just take stock, you know, mm-hmm. how do you get, how do you get mad at a three-year-old kid who doesn't understand you, mm-hmm. you know? And so I, I, I try and remind myself that anytime I'm feeling a little frustrated with the dogs going, okay, let's think about this. Do you need a timeout? Do I need a timeout? Mm-hmm. Or do we need to maybe reset the registers on what we're trying to do here? Right. Yeah. All right. So we probably had chicken, you know, buffalo wings, the egg rolls, um, artichoke. <laughs> yeah, we've had a lot of appetizers I, I th- here. <laughs> Honestly, I think we've had the full meal, you know, the, the, the poo platter. Yeah. I'm looking at the clock, you know, uh, yeah. 50 minutes of appetizers mm. talking about dogs. Yeah. Um, Let's go it to bonds the, us. the it bonds. It bonds everybody in this field. It really does. No it, doubt about yeah, it. Yeah. You know, we, we um, especially in the uplands. Yeah, yeah. The connection to the dogs clearly is critically important to what gets people connected to the habitat mission of the organization. Mm-hmm. And, and that's true of you and I. Uh, friendship and professional uh, relationship starts with dogs. And you know the the um, you know we, do, we obviously people can hear just how much how much we love this and how much we love our dogs. I get a lot of joy out of bringing a new hunter out and and having them hunt for the first time under, behind a dog. Yeah, I just I'll put the truck I'll put the gun in the truck and just walk because it's just so it's just, the light bulb goes on for people when they see that. Yeah. It's just really wonderful. Yeah. So. It, to transition to um, what we what we teased earlier, you are uh, you were elected in in May, right, as mm-hmm. the new chairman of the board of directors for Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever. And the, I know that it, it, this isn't intended to tug at your heartstrings more than we already have, but oh god, uh, <laughs> you, you you had a sense that this was coming because the organization does plan ahead with sort of grooming in the next um, chairman of the board. So you knew that this, there was a vote. You were going to be, um, as long as the vote went as anticipated, you were going to be elected chair. Um, the sad piece was that your your father passed away mm-hmm. to start this year. Did your dad know that? Because I, I, I sense that your dad would have been, of, you're the president of a major PR marketing firm in the Twin Cities. You're incredibly successful. You've raised a beautiful, talented daughter. But being elected chairman of the board for Pheasants Forever would have ranked extremely high in your dad's mind. Yeah, yeah, it Did would. Uh, well, you know, um, he he lived to go to Pheasant Fest every year. Yeah, <laughs> <coughs> and North Dakota and North for, Dakota. For he would preside. He would preside over the aisles at Pheasant Fest. <laughs> I couldn't believe how many people. Literally, a ten thousand people. And I'd I'd walk up to people who were strangers. Go, I think I just met your dad. <laughs> you know, he Norb. Yeah, he was. Uh, yeah, Norb, and he was. Uh, 
he was he was proud of he was proud of that for sure and just really tickled that that uh that that i found something that i could give back to that 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 was that 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 he also thought was pretty important mm-hmm. and uh yeah he died in february <clears throat> actually end of january um and uh you know, uh, you know that's a great question, Bob. I guess I assumed that he knew that I might be moving into that role, but I don't know that we ever really talked about it. Mm. And I don't know that that mattered to him so much as that he just really knew how much uh, how much this all means to me. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think that you know that did make him proud. Yeah, he certainly knew how much you were giving back to the organization. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, he. He and his best, one of his best friends, Mike, would come to Pheasant Fest every year, and they'd sit at that banquet, and they would hold court with the other board mm. members. And you know, uh, Doc Call's wife would always ask me, "How, you know, how's your dad doing?" And you know, others would come up, and I'd go, "Jesus, you know, maybe he should get elected to the board." Mm-hmm. You know, uh, but no, that was uh, that was big for him, and uh, uh, he 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 recognized that. I think I think he recognized what I did is that we we grew up enjoying this in in areas where it was marginal mm-hmm. and here we had this opportunity to do it in places that were just you know just you know prime mm-hmm. and that was north dakota too he yeah. liked going out there because he had brought his grandson out for his first hunt out there and watched 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 him watch mm-hmm. eric get his first bird over lucy you know which was pretty cool yeah you know and uh and that's that's just uh yeah yeah Thanks for bringing that up, Bob. <laughs> well, uh, a little easier question. Um, for folks that maybe don't know the mechanics of the board of directors for the organization, you know, how yeah, how do you get on the board, um, the size of the board, and the role of the board? Well, so the board, <clears throat> the board of directors of Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever is, uh, it can be as few as seven people or as many as 20 people. We keep it right around 12 to 15 people. Uh, it's made up of, of individuals who can help guide the organization uh, in the right direction. And there's really two areas uh, th- with that. One is managing risk because any organization uh, runs into areas where it might have some risk or things that could, could cause it to go backward. And the second is in the area of opportunity. Maybe things that the board, that the organization could be doing or or anticipating and thinking about what's ahead. Uh, you know, these are people who come from a variety of different backgrounds. Some are some are amazingly successful people in business. Mm-hmm. Others are longtime chapter leaders. Uh, some come from diverse backgrounds like communications and the media, or uh, come from uh, maybe real estate finance, finance. Right, right. And 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 they're very their their goal is collectively to look out for the interests of the organization. Um, you know, we've got we've got some amazing board members, so both past and present. Um, and and uh, I started out by doing a lot of volunteering for the organization, and then was asked to join the board. Um, others started out as chapter representatives. Others had no experience whatsoever with the organization, but had an affinity for the outdoors and could bring a special skill set. Um, you know, as we go forward, you know, we've got twelve on the board now, and I'm looking to add three or four more. Uh, candidly, I'm looking for add three or four more who can add some diversity to the board. Um, we have a couple of fantastic women in uh, Nancy Annisfeld and Marilyn Vetter, but we need a few more women on the board. We know we all know how important um, women are to this to future of the of of the outdoors. Mm-hmm. We also need some more uh, need some more racial diversity too. Um, Hispanic, Black, uh, uh, Asian American. 
um, and and that's also part of the importance of of this field needing to be more diverse. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's you know there's this this tends to f- unfortunately slide into a political discussion, and that's not where it needs to go because. You know, you, every, every single person in the outdoors knows that diversity in the outdoors is, is how things thrive. And, and we need diversity in this field as well, not, not just because it's the right thing to do, but because we're at a point where we're not going to see the growth of this field unless we um, actively seek out additional um, people from different backgrounds mm-hmm. to join. Um, and this is more than just being welcoming. Um, this is actually going out and being attractive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a great opportunity and or sliding into diversity and inclusion, a great opportunity just over the past several weeks to have a few phone calls with some, some, some folks who got in this field from alternative backgrounds. Um, uh, uh, Darrell Smith, um, who, um, if you, anyone uh, follows, uh, his writing, he's, uh, he's a young black first generation hunter from Georgia and uh, talk project Upland. project Upland. Yeah. Yep. Great, great, great group of guys over there. AJ and his team at Durrell had talked to Durrell. I talked to a couple of chapter leaders who Ruben, Ru- in California. Ruben. And by the way, there's a new video coming out that, uh, that, uh, with PF and project Upland. That's cool. Ruben and I have a lot of connections. And Ruben will be on a podcast uh, next month. Yeah. Ruben's a cool up. dude. So Ruben's got a great, yeah, I'm going to tell, well, you know what? I'm not going to tell that story. Cause I'm sure Ruben will tell it story ruben has a great great story of how he got involved in this and you know what it was by him asking and by others being welcoming mm-hmm. uh, quail forever chapter leaders being welcoming and that's that's what we need to do here because what people sometimes forget is that the the fewer people there are in this field the fewer the less money there is to invest in conservation you know Pittman roberts and dollars come from Right. Us having more people in the field. Ultimately, you know, you can boil it down. If you want to wrap your head around it, you can boil it down into the R3 movement. It's all R3. Mm-hmm. It's all R3. And anybody who says, you know, hey, look, I escape the out. I, I, I go to the outdoors to escape this stuff. I get it. I do, too. I walk big country and breathe big air. But part of me being able to do that is by us expanding and, mm-hmm. and, and, and really confronting the challenges of R3. And this is what diversity and inclusion is about. If, if we want to protect our public lands as remaining public, if we want to protect CRP and the Farm Bill, we need to grow the voices and the complexion, in every sense of that word, of the advocates for those um, the things that we care about. Otherwise, Absolutely. I mean, we've all seen the statistics. Yeah. You know, the, the, the numbers of the traditional bird hunter are dwindling. So we need to be embracing a broader audience to represent all the things we care about if we want to pass them along mm-hmm. to the next generation. And we have to think about, I appreciate that, we have to, as we are more welcoming and beyond welcoming attractive, we have to, we have to get out of our own heads because I had, I had a way to get into this field and into this in, into this hobby of mine, the passion of mine, through very traditional means. My dad. Mm. Um, I lived in a suburban part of Wisconsin where I had access to uh, hunting land, um, access to firearms. I had mentors. I I am truly the traditional how how this happened. Mm-hmm. People come at this from different different backgrounds well julia our friend julia and alt alt onset hunter and several others that that i've mentored who are coming at this from different places 
they don't know where to start. Mm. And, and the concept of, wait a minute, I can actually walk on this land that's not posted and not have, right. you know, the sheriff here, or, right. you know, it's okay to own a gun, you know, and, you know, how do, you know, this is, this it's is not only foreign, it's intimidating on top it's of foreign. absolutely intimidating, mm-hmm. absolutely intimidating. And, you know, me walking through me, me walking in through a field and coming up on another hunter as a as an adult white male is a much much different feeling than you know a mm. black hunter first time hunter carrying a gun walking up to someone in a field it's a different feeling we just got to be we just got to recognize that mm-hmm. uh, uh beyond inclusivity which i know is critically important but talk about some of the other things that are important for the future direction of the organization and you know where your mind's at for the next couple of years well you know that's a big old question Mm -hmm. um you know there's we have to be really really diligent about not just what happens in the field but what happens in washington um because there are good eggs and bad eggs all around and and there are a lot of complex issues here i think today's um really avid hunter owes it to themselves to get educated about all the things that go into making sure that that great land is available and accessible and high quality um you know we just saw one of the one of the biggest pieces of legislation uh, enacted. Great American, um, Great American Outdoors, Outdoors Act. Act. Um, bipartisan, up and down the line. Mm-hmm. President signed it, um, and it, it it is huge. Is huge. Understanding all that goes into that and why that's so important. You sort of owe it to yourself to 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 get educated on that. Understanding what the farm bill means for conservation, but understanding that if we put all of our eggs in the proverbial farm bill basket and don't look at other ways conservation needs to happen uh, we're, we're not we're doing ourselves a disservice and we're we're literally taking from the land without putting into it so i know that a lot of us are frustrated with ha- what happens in washington but that doesn't mean we shouldn't pay attention to what's happening in washington mm-hmm. we have to do that and some of those other issues being the climate resiliency discussion. Yeah, yeah, boy. You know, it's interesting how far we come on climate. Mm-hmm. You know, it was you brought it up five years ago, and and you know it would you know people would have immediately you know right. you're a Yankees fan or a Mets fan. Yeah, exactly. Or you're not allowed to yeah. have a re- legitimate conversation yeah. about. This. But we, we, you know, we 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 know that you you know it's not even worthwhile to get into the debate whether whether climate change is man made or not. That's not the point. The point is, do we want to clean up water? You know, do we want to have good quality land landscape? Do is there anything that we can do to maybe help stem, you know, the, the stem climate change? Like just plant a little more grass and get more carbon, you know, out of the air, you know, out of the or, air. Or you know, take that a step further. Is there anything that I mean? It's all stuff we're doing anyways. Right. 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 Our the mission of pheasants forever and quail forever is the recipe. Whether or not you believe it's happening or not. Right. This, the elected officials in the United States are going to deal with this on both sides of the aisle. So we want to be part of that conversation. Right. Because planting grassland habitat is part of the solution. Yeah. You know what? We know how to do that. Yeah. I don't care whether you got a red sticker or a blue sticker on your truck. You're walking the same field I am. You're hunting the same birds I am. And you're going to benefit from the same the same thing. We all This is, this is something we absolutely need to do together. Mm-hmm. Uh, quail forever. You you oh. go back 
uh, with Quail Forever to, since the inception, yeah. right? Because that's ultimately how you, I mean, we started to know each other a little bit before we started talking we QF. But that was kind of the big But it was yeah. maybe three months. Yeah, it's probably one of my bigger volunteer opportunities with, with the organization was when was when we got asked by by wildlife officials to, to, to do what's been done for pheasants for quail. And we've learned so much and, and have done so much for quail habitat in this in this country. Um, you know, and, and and you know, I think I think what happened was, you know, for the first several years of Quail Forever, we were able to take the Pheasants Forever model and really really apply it to quail. I mean, literally and figuratively. The model itself of Pheasants Forever, the decision about money money raised gets dis- determined locally, the chapter model. Um, we were doing our habitat work in those crossover states like Nebraska and Kansas and Missouri, Missouri and Illinois. Illinois. And, and so that was, we were able to easily extend the model because everything we were doing for pheasants was, was benefiting quail. The mixed bag Yeah, states. the mixed bag. Yeah, it, but it, 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 it's really taken off the past couple of years because we've also learned along the way that there's probably four different quail regions in this country. You've got the, let's just call it the Midwest's you know, the ag belt quail where, where, mm-hmm. where we just talked about, you've got the Southeast where there's tremendous, tremendous tradition, you know, in Georgia and Alabama right. and Florida, that, that vibe is completely different. Mm-hmm. Then you've got, you know, your Southwest, you know, your Texas, your Oklahoma, where, you know, it's desert, you know, and it's, you know, you're going to get stuck with something sharp when you're hunting that. And then, of course, you got your mountain areas as well. And, you know, I've had the, pl- the, the, the blessing of being able to, to experience the habitat and hunt in all four of those key those areas. And we've learned that, it, that we have to take a little bit of a different approach. And I think that that's a, a symbol of what has to happen to this organization going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of organizations. Let's just face it. You know, 2020 has been a bit of a dumpster fire, right? Um, <laughs> not just not pheasants for over. Well, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm glad you, you said that because for a lot of organizations are really, really struggling. And pheasants forever certainly has had to manage adversity like everybody else, but right. has managed through a very, very challenging situation very well because we're frugal, um, we're we're we, we're staying focused on mission, but we're also I'm also seeing our staff. And, and our board really have a desire to or a recognition that we got to do things a little differently. Mm-hmm. And some of the stuff that maybe worked 15 years ago is not going to work anymore. That the approach we took with quail in, in the Midwest and, and how we, how we expanded there, not going to work in South Texas. And so we need to just have a little bit different mindset and, and be willing to, to, to stay true to the values of the organization, but maybe try things a little bit differently. And I'm really proud of the way the staff has done that. Um, talked about R3 and talk a little bit about membership going forward beyond, you know, the connection, you know, for a living, you do marketing, right? Yeah. Communication, 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 um, your vision for how the trajectory of uh, membership goes forward with the organization. Well, um, just like everything else in this world, we're moving to more individualized. Um, you used to be able to basically put Pheasants Forever members into one big, big vat and say they're all pretty much the same. Um, you know, you don't call consumers consumers anymore. You mm-hmm. got probably 
depending on what industry you're in, 10, 15 different subsectors. You know, you look at our membership, we've got people who got into this because of family legacy. We got people who got into this because they grew up in, in, in a rural you know, community and the banquet was the big event of the year. We've got um, adult onset millennial hunters who want to get closer to the food that they're eating. Right. We got dog loving fools. Yep. Um, habitat uh, junkies. Habitat junkies. We got, you know, someone who will, you know, who will do anything they can to save a honeybee, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 and we've got those in different geographies and we've got pheasant people and we've got quail people, mm-hmm. right? We have to think about ways for people to find themselves within the organization. And that doesn't mean all things to all people. It means we come at this, people come at this for different reasons. Um, some people are looking for for um, more places to hunt. Some people are looking to leave a legacy. Some people are looking for something to do with their kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we just have to be thinking about all those things and be be somewhat intentional in helping people find whatever door and window they can to access the organization, to access this fantastic, fantastic opportunity and resource and find themselves and find their passion in it right. and, and be able to choose their journey. That's that's challenging because it used to be 15 years ago, oh, it's April, banquet time, <laughs> sign everybody up, <laughs> right. see you next year, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's, and that, that's not going to work anymore. Yeah. And people are going to, you know, so you think about all the people who are enjoying, you know, the blogs and the podcasts mm-hmm. and the, and our social media sites. In fact, most of them, you know, how many of them aren't members? Mm-hmm. You know, the thing I think is the big challenge is we got to get people to keep, to join. Mm-hmm. We got to get people to getting engaged isn't just reading something. Getting engaged is actually getting your hands dirty you know what, join the damn organization, give 35 bucks, you know, get out in the field, you know, introduce someone else to the field. You know, we need to have that kind of action involved. And the beauty of it from my perspective, I know there's a lot of organizations searching for an identity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't, I don't feel like there's any searching in our organization. Like we know we are the habitat organization, but within that we're very complex and there are ways for people to plug in, you know, as you mentioned, the different avenues, whether it's the connection through the dogs, mm-hmm. the connection through pollinators, the connection to habitat, bird hunting, it all comes back to, hey, you need quality habitat on the ground for public access, for bird numbers, for a place to run your dogs. It all links back to our habitat mission, and there's no loss of it or searching for identity because there, there are... There are conduits, uh, dozens and dozens of conduits to link back to who we are. Well, and that's part of the board's responsibility is to make sure that we stay true to that mission because yeah. it's easy to drift. This is a extremely successful, extremely well-regarded organization nationally, not just in Washington, nationally. There are a whole lot of, lot of organizations who would like to have us on their side or, or voicing on their issue. And, and we have to be really, really deliberate about staying true to the mission um, and focusing on habitat. And yes, there are things that are adjacent to that without question. But, but you know, we're, we're, we're not good to anybody if we lose our focus. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think we've done a nice job with that. All right. You think I ask big questions, the biggest of oh, them all. shoot. Here we go. All right. It's the magic wand It's a Barbara question. Walters question coming right. <laughs> I can feel it right now. Uh, I'm probably an... I'm probably... I'm probably a hickory, Bob, if you want to <laughs> pick a tree. <laughs> uh, I, I used to ask that in interviews at the St. Paul Saints. If you were a, a vegetable, what vegetable would you be? 
And I, I, kohlrabi is that a vegetable? <laughs> well, I, what a, one of the and I don't know if, if it falls into the vegetable category, but a person answered potato. I could be French fry, tater tot, mashed potato. What you want? Potato chip. <laughs> I could be whatever you want. I thought that was yeah, the versatility way. card, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Anyways, that's not what I'm going to ask. Okay, you. I'm not going to ask you what kind of. I'm going to give you the magic wand, uh, the pheasants forever and quail forever magic wand, and and you know. Paint your picture of the future. What uh, what do you want this world to look like uh, ten years from now? Um, geez, Bob. Well, you know, I I I I hope that ten years from now we don't have to spend as much time helping people have an appreciation for our natural world. Mm. I hope that's a given. I hope we get to the point where we say, you know what? We got to quit messing with this planet. We got to recognize that we, we conservation is all about preserving the natural world. Mm. Um, I hope we've got cleaner water. I hope we've got more diverse habitat on the, on the landscape. I'm not so Pollyanna as to suggest that we're going to have a lot more. We got a big population that's not going to, our population's not going to go down in the next 10 years. We're not going to stop building. We're not going to stop feeding the world. We need to do those things. But I hope that, I hope that conservation is a given as opposed to be seeing as a trade off. Mm. Cause I really do believe, and I've seen some fantastic large organizations, large ag organizations who recognize that we can do both mm-hmm. and we can, we can be good stewards of our natural world and still do the things we need to do to, to feed a population, to house a population, to, you know, to fuel a population. And so I, I just hope that conservation doesn't have to fight for its place. It's just a given that it's got to be taken into account. Yeah. If we do that, we'll be, we'll be a few steps ahead of where we are today. All right. So that was the hard question. Let me ask an even harder question, maybe, but it's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. I know your calendar is every single weekend from from September first to the end of the year mm-hmm. is is jam packed because, like in quintessential Kaharski fashion, uh, you plan this in March, maybe oh, yeah. April. I'm ready. Uh, so you know what you're doing now until 2021. What hunt are you most looking forward to in the season ahead? <laughs> Uh, well, you know, there, you know, I, I you know, I, you know, I love that Fort Pier hunt, uh, but, but, uh, the, the hunt I'm actually looking m- most forward to this year is, is, is actually a hunt that I'm not going to do that other, but it's other people are going to do. I had the, uh, the, through the, through the, the good graces of a very permissive spouse and, and just some, some, some good luck on my part. I was able to, um, to, to buy 150 acres of, of really nice, um, conservation rim land out in, in Western Minnesota, uh, closed on it this month. And so it's ready, it's ready for hunting this fall and on opening day of pheasant season, I'm not going to hunt it. Uh, I'm going to give it to four people, uh, who, four women who are adult onset hunters and who, good friends and good, uh, and, yeah, good friends or people I know who have done favors for me in the past mm. or who are just really special people. Uh, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to hunt that land. They're going to christen it. They're going to go out on opening day and they're going to work that 150 acres. And I'm going to go hunt about an hour North of them by myself. Mm. And in the afternoon, I'm going to go down and see how they did. Yeah. 
that's going to be the hunt I'm really looking forward to this year. I, I find that fitting because you own another piece of property, and I believe I got to shoot the first bird off of that. Hey, look. <laughs> but I, that wasn't you being I, gracious. No, that I got <laughs> – look, I got this other – this. But, you know, maybe we could spend just a minute on that. I know we're wrapping up, but I had the opportunity to buy 40 acres about five years ago, and it was 40 acres of brome grass. Mm-hmm. It was CRP that was just basically a monoculture. And through help of Pheasants Forever – through help of some uh, some some uh, really nice neighbors who gave me some of their time and access to their equipment, uh, I've spent this past couple of years actually converting this back into native prairie. We burned it, we plowed it, we we uh, sprayed it, we reseeded it in, in pollinator habitat, and I just wa- I watched the transformation of this land. Mm. Now we've had this land for four years. There have been four deer, three pheasants two turkeys, three ducks, a coyote, all taken off that land, none of them by me. <laughs> but, I have but not, not, not for lack of effort. Not for lack of effort. <laughs> I have not taken a, 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 any wild game off this land. But other, but Have other, you taken a shot? I haven't taken a shot. Is that Not right? since I've owned it. And you know what? Mm-hmm. It, it, you're right. It hasn't been for trying, but it's also, it's also uh, to me, just a, a joy to be able mm-hmm. to to have other people take advantage of that. And again, watching this land go from this monoculture that looked really pretty mm-hmm. in springtime, but there was it's nothing beautiful. on it to walking through it and watching grasshoppers and butterflies and, you know, a little brood of pheasants pop up and a fawn. We, we just stumbled on a fawn the other day, just watching that life that goes up because mm-hmm. of the diversity is just, it's just inspiring. Absolutely so inspiring. for clarity, you know, you mentioned three roosters and some people are scratching their head. Like you only shot three. three yeah, not, yeah. It, 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 not this more. has only been hunted once or twice a year. And yeah. there was trees that were removed. I mean, it's a revitalization big, project. Big time, big yeah. time. Yeah. It's, and it's on a, it's on a, a, a river. So, um, you know, there was a, uh, uh, some some grants from the watershed district to, to create some uh, some buffer strips there. Um, it's uh, you know yeah it's only forty acres but it's completely surrounded by other habitats so birds kind of come in there. Right. And uh, it's just a just a little little science project. It, as yeah, it, it will be a mecca for pheasants, but it's kind of transitioning out of the deer and turkey component. Yeah, it is. Moment. It is. And this new And piece, it is beautiful with the pollinator work. That's oh, doing. it's just great. I mean, you just watch the sweet clover, which is not your best overall, but I talk about good brood cover and mm-hmm. you just watch the, watch the pollinators in that, in that sweet clover this year. And you know, underneath there's chicken running around right, under bugging. the bugging away. Yep. That's pretty cool stuff. All right. Closing it out. I'm looking at the portraits of your pups so you've got a, a four and a two-year-old it's will you be adding a third dog or is it a ways off before you get a third dog because you've had obviously lucy just passed away here recently yeah. you've had three dogs in the house yeah. when's, the, when's the next time for dog number three in the kaharski household well you know two dogs is kind of like one three dogs is kind of like six <laughs> <laughs> so so there probably won't be another one for a few years but um it's kind of not my decision. Uh, it's kind of Holly's decision. Uh, you know, and she insists we're a two-dog family. And I say, well, we're a two-dog family with transition time, right? <laughs> and I get the kind of eye roll. But I tell you what, I just saw a little softening this last week because we were at the dog park. And as we were leaving, there was this dog. It wasn't a hunting dog. but There was this dog without a collar wandering around by the gate looking like it maybe had been abandoned hmm. and Holly went in and said, I think this dog's been abandoned. Someone must've just left it there. Hmm. 
and this dog was wandering around kind of looking for its owner and it went up and it befriended Holly and I thought oh shit we're bringing this dog home well we called we called the police to have the dog come to come get it and while the police were on the way, the owner came out of the woods and went, oh, oh, there she is. And oh, found her. It was yeah. just, it just Lost. gotten loose. And we got in the truck and we started driving away. And I said, that dog was going home with us. It wasn't it. And she goes, yep. Hmm. So I said, so we are a three dog family. <laughs> she said, under the right circumstances, we might be. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll just have to make those circumstances work. Well, Matt, uh, on behalf of the organization, thanks for all the time and energy you've you've already put in, you know, dating back to 04 with the launch of the Quail Forever brand and all the communication, uh, advice, guidance, coaching you've given me over the years. And that's that's only increasing your time commitment now that you're chairman of the board. But I know you savor that. Um, you can see the joy um, of being, being a part of a volunteer organization like this. But thank you for all the time and effort that you've given and continue to give on behalf of the organization. Well, thank you. I mean, there's... It's a mutually beneficial relationship all the way around. Yeah. Yeah. All right, folks. If you're not yet members, here's once again another invitation for you to join. All kinds of ways for you to get involved. Go to pheasantsforever.org, quailforever.org. There are brand new membership offer right on the homepage. Uh, Take advantage. You'll get signed up. Only 35 bucks. You'll get a year subscription to our publication, a sticker, uh, membership card, most importantly, since our launch, since the history of the organization started in 1982, 90 cents out of every dollar we've been able to turn into the ground for Habitat, our Habitat mission, 90 cents on the dollar. So uh, jump on board, pheasantsforever.org, quailforever.org, whichever bird inspires you the most, we need you. Please come along. I'm Bob St. Pierre saying always follow the dog, something good will rise. Thanks for listening to this episode of On the Wing Podcast.